Hi, everybody, and welcome to the VFX Insiders Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Cedarleaf of Cedarleaf VFX. Today, we're going to be talking to Karen Heston. Karen is a visual effects supervisor on feature films. She began her VFX career 15 years ago working at commercial houses in New York City on the night shift while finishing her MFA in computer art by day. Starting as a flame artist and moving up the ranks through her music video work and on set supervising, she began taking projects from start to finish, which is still her passion today. Only now on feature films like Beast of No Nation, Ocean's 8, and Charlie's Angels. So without any further delay, let's talk with Karen. Hi, Karen. Hi, how's it going? Good, good. How are you? I'm, do- I'm doing pretty well, considering. Considering, yep. That's what everybody's just kind of like the old go-to now. And it's, do, do we talk about it or do we not talk about it? But we have to talk about it. So. It's, a, it's a heavy question now. How are you doing now? It's heavier <laughs> than it used to be. So you're well and you're adjusting as, as yes. good as anybody else is then. Yes, like. we're, we're adjusting and um, we're, we're back home in LA. Um, we had been in New York when, when this started and now we're back in LA. So yep. um, we're, we're healthy and happy and um, most of the, our circle is as well. So um, we feel, you know, uh, fortunate about by that. That's good. Well, and yeah. you, well, that's what it, you and I were just getting back into talking before all this came down. So hopefully we can pick that yeah. back up when, when all this gets back to normal. But it's going to be a new normal. That's right. Good to hear. So Karen, thank you again for coming on the show. And we are, you know, again, the format's pretty straightforward. We just like to talk to people who are, have been in the industry, who I've worked with before. And mm-hmm. um, you and I, I don't think we've ever met personally. Uh, we've just always been kind of, we probably crossed paths uh, on, on a couple of films, but We've never really, you know, it was just, that's kind of neat how the industry is, is that you don't really have to meet people face to face to, to have a working relationship. Yeah, exactly. No, yeah, we had. kind of interesting. That's true. Yeah, we had you on Ocean's 8 and then I guess it was your other team came out for that or that's how it Yeah, that, that was Tucker. That's my son. So you worked yeah. with him primarily. Yeah. So, so I'll tell him you said hi. <laughs> Please tell him I said hi. No, I love the I love the father son shop, and he he did such a great job for us. It was really awesome. Um, we had that, which is kind of an iconic building. That yeah, huge, the TWA thing, right? Uh, I mean, it's so cool. And yeah. it was you know now it's now it's fully up and well now it's not fully up and running, but it was a fully up and running hotel just right there next to next to the JetBlue terminal. Oh, wow. Really? I didn't so know they, it, I, well, I guess yeah. like, you're right. I heard that they were doing it. I didn't know it. It must've only been open for a while then. Yeah. It's, it's just pretty new that it's been open. And when we were there, it was a real sweet spot of a time right before they started construction. Yeah. And it was just really, it was really cool to be in that building. It was really wonder uh, of architecture for sure. I know. So that was a, a cool space for you guys to, to scan. It was pretty organic. Yeah. It was just really, really a unique site. So that was, that was fun, at least seeing the data. So I'm glad Tucker was able to help out. So, oh yeah. well, Karen, talk to us about yourself and how did you get to be, you are now again, kind of a advertising yourself as a VFX supervisor. That's right. Yeah. Sometimes dabble in the producer role, but how, you know, before those days, how did you get into VFX? Well, um, I had a, a passion for art and being creative for sure at a, at a young age. And 
I first went to Savannah College of Art and Design out of high school, and I was there for two years. And I studied under this amazing professor, Craig Stevens, who himself had studied under Ansel Adams. Oh, wow. And the whole program, you know, because I'm, I'm so old, I'm dating myself here, but the whole program <laughs> uh, was, you know, in dark room. So was, oh, man. I think I think right as I left, because I was only there two years and then I transferred to NYU and right as I left, I think they got a digital, a digital photography program. And I remember being, you know, saying to myself, there's no way that that'll take off, you know, the real <laughs> Like the chemicals is where it's at and it's, you know, so creative. Yeah, and, and you control the exposure. <laughs> you can do all that. Yeah, you've got exactly. more control. And we even had a color dark room. So it oh, was really geez. fun. Yeah. And it was just really a creative time. Um, they had a film and, t- and video department there that was just starting. And um, this is and NYU so I, now. No, this is still at, at SCAD, at, okay. at Savannah College of Art and Design. Gotcha, okay. Um, in Savannah, Georgia. And it was really creative. The photography department was amazing. And this was in like 2000. No, no, that was before, 97, 97, 98. 97, Something okay. like that, yeah, when I was there. And the film and video was just starting. So they were still figuring out a lot about what to do with their film and video program. And now I've, I've since met recent graduates and stuff and it, it's turned into a wonderful program. So oh, I don't nice. want to say that it, you know, I don't want to talk bad about it because it is great now, but when I was there, it was not great. And um, I actually demanded my money back for two classes. Oh, wow. So I was always very assertive at a young age. And after that, I knew I wanted to do the moving image and I wanted to keep the still the still image for my artwork. So I really wanted to pursue the moving image. And when it didn't feel like the program was up to speed, I transferred into NYU. Mm-hmm. And it was interesting there because I learned a lot. I was in the Tisch School of the Arts and I learned a lot about the craft. But really most of all my creativity came from, from SCAD. That They had just an you know, amazing art background. And then NYU kind of gave me this you know, learning the craft background. But a lot of the students that I was with, with the exception of a few, were, were more kind of, oh, I saw Scarface and I want to make Scarface now. And they, you know, like in the class, they would, they would kind of, a lot of the students would just redo a scene that was already done instead of, you know, being extra creative and writing or, you know, making their own thing. So mm-hmm. it was a different, it was a different group of people I was around for both universities um but two of the people i was around one was andy samberg and he was hilarious in my class and i was his cinematographer for one of his short films and he was just amazing he would dress up in you know a monkey suit and just run around central park and you know film it on our bolex you know, oh, that's great. 16 millimeter films. <laughs> and we would go to his comedy shows and we, we would think like, oh, come on, he, this can't be really going like that. He can't be going anywhere with this. We just think he's funny because we're his friends, you know. Exactly. We're, uh, yeah, it's something to do. <laughs> and then flash forward to, I mean, to jump ahead, years later, I was working at a commercial house that did some of the SNL short commercial films, oh, like gosh. some of the, yeah, some of the short awesome. commercial skits. Yes. And he was in one that I was working on doing the visual effects for, and I had no idea that he was on SNL. 
And um, so that week I went to the SNL party and caught up with him and it was oh, really fun. fun. It okay. was like, a, it was kind of a good little college reunion to, to see that other classmates had, you know, continued with their, you know, passions and gone on to do things and make it kind of thing. So that's awesome. Yeah. What, what a cool story. Okay. Yeah. And I have an, I have the winners one more as well. Um, Rachel Morrison, who was the first female to be, uh, you know, in the category first female nominated for cinematography, um, to get at the Academy Awards to get an Oscar in the category of, you know, director of photography for Mudbound, her and I were kind of like rival cinematographers at NYU. We would oh, be wow. the way the, the program kind of <laughs> lend itself was to go after the idea as a cinematographer was to go after as many directors and just get a real, a body of work together. So I, I did probably about 10, 10 films as cinematographer throughout uh, school and you know we'd always be kind of competing you know if if somebody didn't get me or they'd get Rachel somebody didn't get Rachel then they'd they'd get me and um, and I also caught up with her at a screening of Mudbound just last year and it was just amazing to see somebody who stuck with it it's such a hard industry especially as a female to work your way up Um, you know, in, I mean, in this industry, in any, in any department, but especially cinematography and to see her doing so well, it was just, it, you know, made me feel so wonderful. Um, What a unique situation though, though, too, that you kind of did, was it kind of a known rivalry that you guys were kind of going out and seeing if you could outdo? Because I I think so. I mean, I think it was, it was, you know, it wasn't like we were out each other's. Yeah. It wasn't cutthroat. Yeah. Yeah. But we were definitely, you know, each of us trying to get as many projects as we could. and, And oftentimes we were both up you know, for the same ones and, you know, one would get it, one wouldn't. So we, we knew each other. We, that's kind of how we knew each other at school basically was that. Yeah. I mean, just think about that though. I mean, you probably were, you know, a lot of really good work probably happened because of that tension and just being out there and and going out and and hustling and, and, you know, just, yeah, kind of pushing the limits and just, uh, Mm -hmm. I, I think that's great. That's kind of a, a, a gift looking back at it probably just it was yeah. kind, of, kind of a neat experience so so and yeah. it, was that uh, that was so two years at in Georgia and then did you finish out at, four years at NYU did you finish out um the, yeah I said I graduated with my undergrad degree at NYU um it was a little, little over two years two and a half years and I finished in, you know with this focus in cinematography mm-hmm. and during my time in school there was a film called Harlem Aria and with, it was a Damon Wayans film. I'm sure nobody's seen, but it was filming in Washington Square Park. And I was still in school at the time and I just walked on the set. And I mean, I think now that I'm on set all the time, I'm like, how did I just even do that? Like, how did nobody stop me? But I just walked on the (laughs) set, started talking to people and was like, listen, I really want to work on set. Can somebody give me a job? And I just walked right on there. And so sure enough, well, a PA turned me down and was like, no, there's no work. Go away. And then I went to somebody else who happened to be in the camera department. I was like, hey, listen, do you guys need any help? Like, I would love to just jump on board. (laughs) And um, they connected me to uh, the camera department and the sound department. And they let me come on as a PA. No way. And I showed up 
you know, every day they had night shoots and then I'd go to school during the day or sometimes I had to miss classes. And, you know, I just, I just jumped on this project and I said, listen, I'll be here as much as I can. I, you know, I was still in school and they just kind of had me as this day player, a boom pole, additional boom pole operator. <laughs> and then I started uh, hanging out in the camera department, which is where I really wanted to be because I was, you know, going after the cinematography dream at the time. Yep. And they, you know, I became friends with the, the cinematographer, Keith Smith, who let me shoot a shot on the movie. It was Get out of out. control. Yeah, I jumped on, I was on the dolly, you know, shot a shot of the movie and, uh, you know, even the camera assistants were, were impressed and excited that I, you know, got this opportunity. So it was, it was really a unique experience to be able to do that and kind of just jump on. But, um, you know, it really, it really did open my eyes to what, fil- you know, what real filmmaking was like and what it's like to be on a real, real movie set, even though it was, you know, this little, little production, but it was quite fun. No, I think that's, again, it's a really neat thing to hear because uh, just looking back just a few notes ago that, you know, you you said you're a assertive person, you know, not asking for your money back for those (laughs) classes. And then here you are pushing yourself onto a a production. And that, you know, that it's just funny how you can, (laughs) if you know, if you have confidence and you're walking around somewhere that like, you know what you're doing, you'd be be surprised at how, you know, you can get in until someone catches on, but. Right. I, I think that's like, Wait a, a minute. Yeah, it's another kind of testament to your assertiveness. So, you know, yeah. that's that's neat. That's a, a I know. It's it's really have. funny seeing seeing now that, you know, that, that that they would allow that people would allow that to just hop in and happen. Um, but yeah. you know, it did at the time. And that little group of camera guys, the you know, their that camera department, um, Doug and Carlos continued to give me jobs so they gave me a job on the tavern which was a margaret cho also kind of indie fun film and i was the camera loader on that film and i that was a job i couldn't believe they gave me either here i was like still in school and at film school at myu mm-hmm. and i was the one re- literally responsible for changing the magazines wow like, <laughs> whether the film got exposed to light or not or whether i did a good job in the you know in the tent loading and everything properly and well they probably did the like the, the three minute show here here's how you do it learn fast I don't yeah know. i mean I it's just so wild so a lot of so most all of my cinematography and camera experience at you know at that time was all analog so mm-hmm. i was doing all analog stuff and there was a digital class you know, there was Avid, and I believe there was some other, you know, maybe After Effects class at NYU at the time, but there was no, you know, I cut, I cut film on a Steam back, and it was all very analog still. So, mm-hmm. so when 9-11 happened, I was still in New York, and I took a little break, and I was wondering kind of how to stay being an artist, but make money. Yeah. Um, I, d- I knew I didn't want to be a starving artist and, um, and I knew, I mean, that's why I give so much, so much props to Rachel for continuing with it because I just had this moment where I was like, you know, I don't think I can be 10 years, 20 years from now still running around carrying these heavy magazines. You know, I just yeah. don't see that in the cards for me. And it's such a tough ladder to climb that I took, I uh, decided to go back to school and I went to school at SVA school of visual arts and I got my master's degree in computer because I was like, let me just transfer my art and lighting skills and camera skills and everything into the computer 
and find a way to, you know, still be passionate, still be creative, still do the things I love and still kind of continue on this direction, but, but do it. So I'm not, you know, <laughs> running around on set carrying heavy magazines running, you know, working yeah, 16 hours 18 hour days, whatever. Right. So yeah. I kind of, that was kind of my thought going into it. Now, of course, I'm still on set working long hours, but, <laughs> um, you know, I have a break and, you know, get to go into post. So it's, it's kind of, it's kind of worked out for, for me to get to do a bit of both, but, um, yeah, computer art was really, uh, at SBA was really the, the big step for me, the big, com you know, the big commitment to try and, and get in, dive into computer art. And it was really my Unix, uh, systems administrator class, uh, taught by Todd Browse that gave me the in to see what I wanted to do. He gave us a few tours of some advertising uh, facilities where they were doing, you know, different vendors that were doing, you know, digital art. Yep. And I just saw the suites. I saw these flame suites, these flame artist suites in New York City advertising where they had a full bar in the office. Nice. They had, they had <laughs> video games in all their rooms. They had a giant room that was bigger than my apartment I was living in, for sure, the office was. <laughs> Yeah. And I was like, wait a minute, I want to work here. This is where I want to work. Like, this looks amazing. So I just kept bothering my professor to get me an interview. I said, really? give me an interview at one of, when is there going to be an opening? That's where I want to work. And um, finally, he uh, convinced their, you know, EP to, to take an interview. I guess they need an intern. And I got a job. My first job was as a flame uh, operator learning the flame at night. So it was a night shift position oh, wow. and yeah. I was still going to school during the day. So I'd work at work at night. It would be like, you know, eight to one or, you know, f you know, six to one a.m. And then sometimes it go late to two or three a.m. depending on if there was like a big crunch before a commercial was due. But and I just had to teach myself at night. They basically gave me the, you know, the flame the handbook and said, have at it, you know, learn, you know, learn the flame. Well, so pardon my ignorance now. I've heard flame. So what did that entail? What did, what, what would you do? So, so flame is a, is like a, you know, high end compositing, like after effects oriented yep. tool. And a lot of the things I was doing was roto masks and making kind of creating elements paint, doing some um, digital matte painting okay so i would do anything from like a digital matte painting um, cleanup like wire removal pulling keys for if there were elements on green screen i would pull the keys and, and do roto and cleanup work on that and so the start of it was just really delivering a lot of elements to the senior artists that would then present the work to the clients during the day and, you know, we worked on Pepsi, GE commercials, you know, Super Bowl commercials, you know, stuff like yeah. that. And it was a really, you know, now a lot of that stuff, of course, is done in, in India and, um, yeah. you know, different, different countries. And it's kind of been outsourced. It's more of an outsourcing thing. But the cool thing about the Flame tool for, you know, being a visual effects artist is, is that it really has a lot of the pipeline in it. So it's really kind of like a standalone tool where you can cut your roto masks, develop everything and do, do you know, do a great matte painting and, and really, you know, could complete a full shot together yourself. And that's, 
you know, a lot of the softwares out there, of course, also deliver that. Yeah. But the artist, the flame artist was that was kind of their role was to do all of that. So if you were a flame artist, you had to kind of know all the departments, whereas some of my friends, you know, that are that are doing the var various proprietary softwares at studios or, you know, they're on Nuke or something like this. Yeah. Um, they are usually given a specific a specific role or specific task that they're really good at and that they've been developing over time. And it's more of a, you know, giant pipeline. Whereas the flame in commercials, especially back there then, which was, you know, 2004, 2005, something like that. It was much more of, you know, all hands on deck. You do the whole, you do the whole Everything. commercial. Yeah. yeah. You do the whole shop. So, so that's, that was kind of a unique kind of way to build your brain in a way because yeah. you had you had a bunch of you know you got to kind of put together a whole shot which is kind of helps you see the whole picture like for in my job now it helps me remember and see like the whole picture all these little elements everything that needs to come together to bring the final piece together you know that kind of helps yeah it's so. interesting to see how you know again the path that you choose sometimes you don't even know that what you're doing um, you know, five years prior is going to be such an important foundational step for you to, to be able to, to do what you're doing and, and Definitely. As, you, as you progress yeah. and, and mature. And, but I think it's really neat to see too, that, um, again, and this is something that I guess the listeners are going to kind of get the gist that, you know, it's, it's really, it pays off to be assertive in a, in a really, you know, kind of not an obnoxious kind of way, but just in a, in a way that is, you know, pursuing your dreams and pursuing what you want to do. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and it was really neat to see how all of that, those, uh, you know, this timeline that you're, you're playing out for us is just interesting how it all dovetailed everything. It wasn't like a, a drastic change, um, so to speak. It was just something that was calculated and, and you kind of knew that's the direction you needed to go. And yeah, it was, it was more like a, you know, feeling or yeah. a vibe to do one thing or the Intuition. other. Yeah, 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 I mean, I didn't even know what a compositing artist was when I went to school, you know, at at SCAD and, and you know, first graduated high school that didn't, it barely existed, you know, so, so it's just, you know, it's just kind of evolved over time. And I guess that's another maybe, you know, thought too for, for um, people starting out is like, you never, you know, you never really know what you're going to some people worry they don't know what their goal is or what they want to be, for example, but yeah. following your passion, you know, steps along the way, you kind of end up, or at least for in my case, I, I kind of, you know, serendipitously ended up gaining the skills and the background I needed to do, you know, what I, what I ended up doing, to, you know, presently. Yeah. So. Well, who would have, who would have thought that being a boom operator for a, I know. For a couple of days would lead into that. I know. I mean, and I was like, you really want me in the sound department? I'm studying, I'm studying camera. Like I have no idea what's going on in this, this department. But it's funny. Well, somebody told you how to do it or showed you how to do it. So, and you, okay. All right. Exactly. That's good. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It was and a then, good workout. Exactly. <laughs> I can imagine. Oh yeah. After how many hours just holding that thing <laughs> above your head. <laughs> oh my. Yeah. So, I know. And that, well, now I'm painting them out, right? So yeah, exactly. Paul gets in the shot. I have to paint it out. And I'm like, oh, that person wasn't holding, wasn't holding their own. <laughs> they weren't paying attention. 
Yeah, they're like, oh, should have done some more push-ups that morning. You know, got to keep that pole up. Oh, that's great. That's great. All right, so we are now. It sounds like we after that. Now you were you were. Did you did you get a job? Did you you interned at one of the one of the the VFX houses? Is that yes, I, I did. It was at um it was at the VFX house Quiet Man that uh, Johnny Simarad had, and I guess still has maybe I'm not really sure in New York. And mm-hmm. um, he had left Charlex, which was a big uh, another big VFX house, and he had, was an artist there and left and did his own thing. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, and Char- Charlex was run was a, was a great shop. So I, I eventually so I was there at Quiet Man for um, a couple years, and I was I had through my connections at um, SVA I had fallen into some friendships with some music video directors. And so uh, I asked the owner, Johnny, on the side, is it okay if I come in on nights and weekends? By then I was, well, no, I was still working the night shift. So I was like, hey, is it okay if I just come in on the weekends and do these music video jobs? Because at the time, the Flame was a piece of software hardware combo that was like, you know, a quarter million dollars. So it was this huge, huge machine. It was run on, it was still run on these giant refrigerators when I started. And then it moved to this other giant machine called a Tezro, which was still huge and um, kind of like a giant fish tank. So there was no way I could, so all this, all these tools I was learning and all this, you know, great art I was able to kind of learn and make and use, I couldn't have at home. Uh, I couldn't run it on my laptop. So I asked, you know, and now I can. So that's exciting. But um, back then it was this giant thing. So I asked to come in on the weekends and he was like, sure, of course. So I started doing music videos a lot and I would go on set and supervise my friend's music videos and tell them how to shoot it so I could help, you know, do the post effects later. And one of the jobs I did was I was snow and it was a music video where you needed snow everywhere. And I kind of got into the hardware and wrote my own script for snow and was using this kind of snow stuff. And then also, you know, putting snow on people's people's arms and tracking them in and stuff like that. So it looked like it was integrated. And then all of a sudden this commercial, this Visa nervous commercial came out with Lindsay Jacovellis and they had shot in Chile. They had all gone down and shot in Chile. A commercial? This commercial, yeah, commercial in Chile. for Visa. Yeah, wow, for Visa. For Visa. Wow, that's pretty, and, pretty, pretty yeah. robust there. That's interesting. Go ahead, sorry. But, yeah, what, I mean, it is interesting, but they went there for the snow. Oh. And they did not get the snow. <laughs> Oops. So they went back and they looked at you know karen this little girl on the night shift and they were like hey karen didn't you just do a whole music video that had snow in it and i was like yeah and they're like can you repurpose all your setups for the commercial oh my gosh like sure so they put me on the day shift and i led this job so this was my that was kind of my quick you know jump up to the day shift and having my own room and working with clients was that i just had done this work on the side for my for fun for me you know, mm-hmm. and uh, so that that was kind of a great kind of step up there and really fun. And then and then I kind of was, you know, a day artist and I was this, you know, flame artist. And they started sending me on uh, commercials to do the VFX supervising on set. And, you know, I would fly out to L.A. every once in a while for some commercials and did some in Philadelphia and, you oh, know, nice. different. so that that's kind of when I really started loving this 
start to finish role that you could get in visual effects where they'd give us a call, we'd all get on a call, we'd see some boards, we'd sometimes make our own boards and plan out how to do whatever gag creative, you know, visual thing they wanted to do in their commercial. Mm -hmm. And then on set, made sure that they shot it correctly with a lot of the elements and stuff we could use and got a lot of the data we needed. And oftentimes it was just me by myself, or sometimes they would send me with the CG department, uh, a CG supervisor. So it'd be me and the CG supervisor sometimes would go Mm -hmm. on set. We'd get our own data, you know, um, get our own uh, information we needed and then shoot it and then fly back. And then we do the, we do the work and then the clients would come in and sit in the room and, you know, noodle away and decide, oh, move that one pixel to the left. Oh, move that one pixel back to the right. Oh, <laughs> you know. And, uh, you know, you'd go through versions and versions and sometimes you'd end up at, you know, version two after version 20, you know, go back uh-huh. to but it was, But it was a lot of fun and it was great to learn how to interact with people and, and again, kind of using my skills from art school. One of the biggest things out of SCAD that I learned was just how to critique you know, and Mm. how to also how to take criticism. That is, that is a hard one in visual effects. Ah, Um, Often, often quite thankless uh, at times. And so just kind of, you know, somebody doesn't like something really not don't internalize it. Don't take it personally, like stay positive and just let it roll off your back. Like, Oh, of course. Why would I make a blue sky today? Duh. Of course, it should be a cloudy day. Oh, of course, you know, yeah, what was I, I thinking? Of course, I should and, be clairvoyant and understand what they wanted. <laughs> so um, there was a lot of kind of learning how to do that. And it was a lot of fun. I just, I just really loved it. And then, you know, taking it to final and, you know, out, out, we used, I used to output everything to tape. Wow. Um, so, one inch, one inch tape. Yeah. And oh so it was a good, yeah, it was fun. And so my, you know, my job today is visual effects supervisor, you know, that's, that's really the win is to get on early, be a part of it from the beginning to end, seeing a job from beginning to end. Um, it's just really, it's just so rewarding for me. It's a really, you know, I really, really resonates with me. You know, this, the job I have now as, as VFX supervisor, just being a, being a part of start to finish. It's, that's kind of the, the jobs that I go after is if I can, if I can be on start to finish. Cause that, that really, yeah. Yeah, it's just such a great feeling to see, to see it unfold and, you know, see how everything develops. Um, Exactly. And I I think that's neat too. Hearing other people say that, that the continuity is there and you you just have that flow that kind of, it goes from, you know, obviously being on something from start to finish. Uh, It's nice to be able to do that. So so Karen, 30 minutes have flown by here and oh, wow. it's, <laughs> and we are going to use this time to, to take a break. We're talking to Karen Heston, a visual effects supervisor. We'll be right back after this break.
Hi, everybody. We're back with Karen Heston. We're talking to her about her role as a VFX supervisor. Uh, Karen, welcome back. Thanks for hanging in there with me. Sure. My so, pleasure. So we got your kind of background on, on all the experiences that you've had to date to get to where you are now as a, a supervisor. Um, yeah. Now, I, I guess the question I, I didn't ask earlier, was that what you kind of intended? Because I don't think you with your background, is that kind of where you, you were targeting? When did you know that the supervisor was kind of the, your gig, something that you can really enjoy doing? Well, I, I think that when I was doing commercials, I knew I, you know, I loved being the visual effects supervisor and taking, a part, uh, taking that project start, start to finish. So okay. that, that kind of really resonated with me. And then kind of as life as life continued, I started freelancing to have more freedom and get away from my full-time full-time job that I was doing at these houses. And so mm -hmm. I, when I became freelance, I kind of took a wild, a little, I mean, not wilder, but I was, you know, I was freelancing. So I was pretty much only being the compositing artist. So I would be an artist, you know, day player to do X amount of work. And it kind of took me out of that role of start to finish. And then, but then I started getting their gigs freelance. So I would also be sent to LA um, or various places to be a visual effects supervisor on set and, and also just day play that role. So I'd be just a visual effects supervisor um, mm -hmm. for, for a commercial. And then, you know, they, they would finish the work elsewhere. And mm -hmm. I really started to realize that I loved that role. I loved being on set as that visual effects supervisor. I wanted to take it further and, and, you know, do this on feature films. Okay. So I wasn't sure how to make the, br the jump. I had done one job, uh, Ghost Town, uh, which was feature film I did in New York. Mm -hmm. And I worked on that. But other than that, being in New York City, there wasn't a lot of feature film work. Uh, and there still isn't today for visual effects artists. Um, there, there are some houses that do features, but it's, it's challenging. Most of the vendors still focus on commercials. Some of them were, one actually, Framestore just jumped into doing features in New York City just a couple months ago, I believe. Um, they they jumped I don't, I don't, in. Yeah. Uh, and okay. so, yeah, because I have a friend, Julie, there who reached out to me to let me know that they were launching a feature division in New York with Framestore not too long ago. And, um, but that, you know, it's rare and it's, it's challenging because there's such little space, it's expensive, you know, it is, yeah. it is hard to be a vendor there, but they do have the tax credit breaks there. So, yeah. you know, people do, do go there for features for, well, for vendor work. But. This might be something interesting too, that uh, maybe again, crossing paths, because um, we were in mm -hmm. New York from 2000, oh gosh, to 2010 to 2014, late 14. Um, uh-huh. And then we were, we went out because of Tower Heist. We were working on Tower Heist. Oh, and okay. they, were, they were saying, oh yeah, this is something, you gotta come out here and there's no one doing LIDAR out in New York. Right. Out here. And yeah. then as soon as we get out there, everything just comes crashing down. And then <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> we were trying, and then as, and we worked on uh, Framestore. I worked as, I worked actually for Framestore for, for Walter Mitty. And, oh wow. And, and that was a wonderful, wonderful experience working with them and then the reason I'm saying that is interesting because they they pulled their feature film division to Toronto I think oh yeah well I mean <laughs> and then now they're back 
<laughs> yeah, Sarah, I mean, it's, it's, it's quite interesting. It just happened to be after that Walter Mitty show. I, I wonder what could have happened. I've, I've, heard some, I've heard some rumors about that show. I mean, I think it's a little too insider of an insider to, to share globally, but I think that, that I'm not surprised that that was the case. <laughs> interesting. So it only took, what, six years to kind of let that, that you know, kind of dissipate and um, then here they are yeah. back. Well, that's good. I, that's good to do no. back. So interesting. Yeah, I think that was a challenging, I think that was a challenging uh, a feature I've heard from the people from that. So I think that that's, you know, it's, I mean, it's a hard industry to navigate for sure. And, and it's, and yeah. it's challenging as a vendor. Um, Oh, I, I can't imagine. Yeah. I can't imagine how difficult. So I, so I, uh, you know, as we're as we're talking about the art, I came to LA and and you know started working on feature films, and I worked at Sony. Uh, my my good friend Ben Aguilon works at Sony and helped me get in the doors with an interview there, and I worked on the Arthur's Christmas. Oh, okay. Arthur's Christmas, and so I was a you know, working as an artist for that. And that kind of gave me my, my start out in LA and, and, you know, kind of go working on features more mm -hmm. and talking, speaking of how difficult it is to be a vendor, that that's kind of my next attempt was I tried to be a vendor and um, I successfully was a vendor on um, Beasts of No Nation, mm -hmm. which is the Carrie Fuganaga film. And that was just really challenging. It was really challenging to take a budget that was, you know, basically nothing and really stretch it to give the director and the artists everything they wanted, you know, to be able to, to really deliver with a tight budget. So having that experience and going through that and, you know, I kind of wore all hats in that film. I was, I was producing, you know, running, a, you know, basically running a vendor shop hiring freelance artists, um, working remotely with people, which at the time, you know, people thought that was wild. And I, I would hire and work <laughs> remotely with people, um, individual artists, you know, just tr keep the content secure and kind of navigating all of that. And it, I just have so much uh, empathy and <laughs> admiration yeah. for vendors going through that. So now when I hire vendors and work with vendors, it's definitely, you know, having that experience of trying to do that and it being immensely difficult, you know, I understand now the challenges of, you know, the money versus the time versus yep. the, you know, they say pick two, right? Money, time, or quality, right? It's yeah. like you can only get two. You can only, so <laughs> that's you can only a good get point. two of those. So pick which two you want out of those three. So, and it couldn't be more true trying to be a vendor. And and so I, I think that that experience really helped me fold into this role that I'm in quite nicely now because I really get it. You know, I'm not, not only was I an artist at a shop, but I, you know, I tried to be a shop and it, and really challenging and I, I would never try and do that again but I would I would probably do just about anything to work with Carrie Fuganaga again because he's just such an amazing talent and you know I do I would do anything to work on a great you know great project but that was that was a real challenge well I, I just can imagine too and then just thinking back again how it's kind of serendipitous is that you were doing remote working with clients remotely even before it was you know uh, coronavirus you know everybody now is working remotely and everybody's gonna have to learn how to work remotely but you know again you yeah 
you've got a you've got some experience in that, so that's not going to be. Any, I know. Be I, a, I mean, for me, it's, for me, it was something. You know, I I had been doing it for a while on a, on quite a few projects. I had my own setup and you know my own flame uh, shop for a while. And I was trying to do commercials and different projects on my own start to finish and kind of live that goal of, you know, doing a project start to finish and, and kind of, you know, doing a vendor, you know, vendor kind of model. And yeah. it's, and it's, it's funny, even just last, right before this started, I was doing another project remotely recently. And I was uh, the visual, I was doing visual effects supervising and, and kind of, you know, overseeing some shots that were being done on a project. And I got a call from, you know, the, the studio saying, how are you doing this remotely? How, you know, I've never worked with a <laughs> visual effects supervisor remotely. And like, don't you need to be in the edit room to do this job? And I was like, uh, listen, it's working quite well. We're, I mean, you know, I have virtual meetings. We do, you know, I'm seeing all the work that's being done. I'm downloading it, looking at it, giving notes. I really had to sell myself on <laughs> doing this remotely. <laughs> like in January, I was right? like at the end of December, beginning of January, I was had that conversation. And now look, you know, now I'm so excited. I had a recent experience too because, you know, I've been saying that to to people lately. Like, look, you can do this remotely. I can still supervise. I can still come on and, you know, be a part of the be a part of the process and kind of oversee everything. It's just has to be done remotely. Yeah, I think it's really cool to see how, again, your experiences um, leading up to now are going to be able to really help yourself and, uh, and others as well, transitioning into this new kind of work workflow. Uh, I don't see it changing or going back to the way it was for, for quite a while. So. But uh, so let's keep things moving. Let's move on now to the next question of what it is that you like best about being a visual effects supervisor. And then we'll also talk about what we don't like or what you don't like about being a visual effects supervisor. Yeah, I mean, I think the best part for me, the thing I love about the job is problem solving. Mm -hmm. And I just love solving problems. I love coming up with something, you know, how to do this, what do we need to do? I really like, you know, the creativity and technology coming together. It just kind of checks all the boxes for me. And even something as simple as a, a green screen, you know, car, car sequence. Mm -hmm. I mean, it just depending on the parameters, shooting location, you know, act, actors' preferences, like there's just so many things that are different that even shooting a simple, something super simple like a car, a car chase sequence or whatever could be, you know, dramatically different from project to project in a lot of, in a lot of ways. And mm -hmm. there's always a new problem to solve. So even if I've done something, you know, I've already done that effect in another movie or I did that on a commercial years ago. It's, it's always new because it's always new footage. It's always something different. So I really, I really enjoy all of that about the job. And I do, you know, like I've already said, uh, you know, like taking it from start to finish. So kind of reading the script, visualizing what it's going to look like in my head, um, you know, being able to kind of, you know, when allowed and when, when asked of for sure. And then when allowed to as well, I love to, you know, just help with any creative input 
that can make the project better. You know, any kind of problem solving that I see. I mean, I work closely with the special effects department. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's not, it's a lot of times it's a visual effects, special effects combo. It's a visual effects combo um, with special effects too. Yeah. Um, a lot of times it's working heavily with the art department and planning out the set or the stage. So it's just, it's really um, a collaborative problem solving effort. And, you know, I, I, that's, you know, that's just my favorite thing about it is working with all these wonderful people, all these different departments, you know, it's just, it's really, you know, I feel uh, very fortunate to have this opportunity to be this role to, you know, kind of work with all these, all these greats that are, you know, have been working on features and, and really have honed in on their craft and, have passion for it and and care you know yeah. everybody cares a lot about uh the, the film they're working on i mean usually for the most no, part you're right i mean uh, i i get that feeling too it's just that everybody's there for and i've said it before but it, it's true everybody there is there to do something really cool and you know for the yeah. most part you're making you're making a film and you're trying to fake people out to make it a, you know a brilliant um, a picture or an event to see and, and you, you just want them to just not be distracted by visual effects they just want to be immersed in the story so it's right it's, and, and that's why I really like you know the limited time that we get to be on projects when we're there it's just I just love the energy and just knowing that you know hey man this is great stuff this is fun the ability to, to collaborate like you said with and rub shoulders with people who are are doing some really neat stuff and to be a part of that so yeah but but you said something i just it kind of caught my attention i haven't heard anybody say this before but you during your problem solving you said like a a green screen car sequence or actor preference um Mm -hmm. what does what for an actor preference does that mean they're (laughs) they're setting up a shot and the actor has doesn't want to do that or they want to do something better what what do you mean by that if if, if i can ask well the first the first i mean yes that there's there's definitely times when that happens um but what i was kind of more focusing on was um their schedule right so a lot of times oh here comes this little guy here Hey, my mom. (laughs) oh there goes my (laughs) four-year-old he wants mommy I think his, I think one of his friends is going to drop off uh, a little envelope for him soon. A little gift. And oh, good. They're going to do a little drop off or something. But, um, <laughs> okay. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, so there's Hayden. Um, Hi, Hayden. But... <laughs> we'll, we'll have mommy back to you soon, Hayden. Sorry about that. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think that a lot of times it's like a, it's a scheduling conflict. So it's easier to shoot in, the, in a stage, you know, versus shooting on the street because, you know, we have to lock off the street and then yep. the talent, if it's, you know, if it's been leaked that the talent's there, you know, that day, you know, it's a whole, it's a whole thing. Whereas a lot of times it's easier to just do the green screen, you know, instead of doing, doing a live, right. uh, a live shoot. So, I guess that's what I was thinking about in my head when I said actor preference, because I was kind of alluding to the fact that their schedule dictates a lot of the shooting schedule, dictates sometimes how how things are shot even. You know, right. if they've got a busy schedule and you know it makes more sense to do something on a stage, sometimes it happens that way. But I'm sure there's I'm sure there's the occasional, you know, <laughs> shoot on my left side and not on my right side or whatever. 
I'm sure those things happen as well. <laughs> well, and then you also probably are coordinating. Do you coordinate to like the cyber scanning, you know, getting the, the talent oh, yeah. in, you know, the, Hey, they're going to be on set this day. They got this, um, you yeah. know, no waiting around for that, trying to, to see what well, we only need him for like five minutes. Um, so when, why can't he get over here or why can't she get over here kind of thing? Right. Exactly. Yeah, no, it's, it's, yeah, that's, yeah, that's definitely a challenge. Um, and I, I, sometimes that's, that's another thing I did on my, when I was on Charlie's Angels, for example, I just, we had a cyber scan there to do head scans for various things, body scannings, mm -hmm. um, in case we needed it. And, um, and then I just said, what, who can we get? Who on the cast, you know, talking to the director <laughs> and working it out? Who do you want to scan? Because you just never know, right? Yeah, we just yeah. never know who um you know the double is really showing up in that shot you didn't think it was going to show up but the double's yeah. really showing up so let's you know <laughs> let's replace their face um so i i kind of you know try and look ahead for that and i scanned as many people as we could um just to have that data in case we needed it later which you know we ended up needing it yeah. for shots we didn't think of so it was good to have and i think again it's just uh, you know the listening to you you talk here, I think it's, you've got a, a, a strong intuition. I think you kind of just know where things are going to go, what you need to do on a day to day, what's going to happen. And you can probably read, read the situation pretty well. Uh, you yes. can kind of anticipate what, what you're going to be needing to focus on more than, mm -hmm. than other tasks. So, so um, now let's flip it. I know, you know, <laughs> some of, the, some of the, the things are, you know, obvious hours, you know, it's just, it's difficult to get out there for 16, 18 hours a day. But, uh, you know, anything else that, you know, to, just to let people be aware, I mean, anybody in the industry knows what the hours are like, but, um, yeah. uh, but, you know, for you, it's just, you know, I guess we're all different. We all have a different level or tolerance of pain. <laughs> what is your low pain point i guess oh gosh <laughs> i don't know i mean i really do love my job i really do so it's it's it is hard to think about the negatives um i don't know that's a good that's you know what karen i think that's a great idea I, maybe we should take that question <laughs> because it's it's i mean some people do like to complain more than others but you know that's just personality types but yeah um, but i i think you know, I mean, challenge. I mean, challenges is a good word. Yeah, right? there we go. So, challenges. What I mean, the there's. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I think you know. I mean, it's well. Obviously, I have a kid, so that's not a new secret. Yeah. Now. You know, I think that there. I think that the challenges that I've had that I've faced are um, <clears throat> honestly having a family has not been challenging for me because I've figured out a system that works really well for me. Yep. So I that's not challenging, but it's just it's just kind of another level of, you know, kind of working out the schedule and figuring out what you need to do. And, you know, you always have that in the back of your mind is the, is he taken care of? Is everything good at the homestead? So I think, right. but you know, I think every parent has that male or female, that's kind of something on your mind. So that, that can obviously be challenging or pose some challenges with, you know, working on location or traveling yeah. or all of a sudden you have to stay late one day, the director, which happens often, pops into my office and <laughs> I was planning on, you know, going on a date with my husband that night, you know, like I got the <laughs> nanny all set, planning on going on a date. Like, Damn it. 
drink some wine and hang out for a change and like ask him a question that's not you know oh is the you know child all right today yeah um and then you have to stay late right and then the, the dresser pops in and you know that's your boss that's what you do you know um so then you just stay and keep working yeah. um but you know so but i i mean for the most part i you know that's usually a blessing too because to get the director or get the person that's the an the person that can answer the questions or you know give yeah. the yes and no to things is not always available so that's I a mean, good point get, yep, getting right. them is such a plus you're like oh i mean i'll stay till midnight if you just answer all these questions i have for you yeah i would say that that's a challenge i mean some of the some of the challenges have been personalities Mm -hmm. um, over over the course of my career, uh, you know, I've had challenging personalities that I've had to work with and really kind of learn, you know, how to how to deal with that. And also, you know, if I've I've had I've been challenged myself. So I, on um, on Ocean's Eight, the movie we worked on together, for example, I was challenged about the green screen situation, mm -hmm. and they wanted to like take down. The green screen for this we were we were doing a whole a whole uh a whole vegas casino um situation that was going to be replicated in vegas with vegas backgrounds and they wanted to not you know take out the green screen i was like what are you doing we need the green screen oh, no. my town <laughs> and you know of course uh, every once in a while you'll have a like as the visual effects supervisor i work very closely with the cinematographer you know yep. that was my background i love cinematography it's you know it's, it's very like one of my favorite you know positions on set it's just a great uh, great art and um you know i definitely don't want to take away from any of that so i try and get all you know get on board and do whatever the cinematographer wants to do for that for sure. Mm -hmm. But there's times when, you know, they're not happy because I have some green spill in their shot. And so on this, on Ocean's 8, I said, listen, I promise I'll get rid of the green spill. <laughs> I know it's there and it looks bad, but it is not going to be in the final. Yeah. We'll take care <laughs> and, of it in post. That's the famous words. Yeah. I was like, listen, every, right. Everybody says fix it in post. Mm -hmm. I'll tell you, this is actually the one case where I can <laughs> literally press a button. I actually can press a button and it's gone. I was like, well, I know that's a myth and nobody wants to hear that, but it is true. And so the director came over and he's like, Karen, I just want to let you know that, you know, I've talked with some visual effects supervisors I'm friends with. I just called them and they also told me it's not that easy oh, to, gosh. to get rid serious? of it. And I, and I was like, you know, you just kind of stay positive and you're like, okay, but I know this is going to make, you know, if this doesn't happen, if I don't do this, like this shot is going to look horrible for its oh, final. So I just kind of ride the wave. I, I, I quickly pulled up. I think I, I had flame on my laptop or I might've even used, I might've even used <laughs> Final Cut Pro or something, but I pulled up something quick on my laptop, grabbed some footage from the playback guy, threw it on my computer and pressed the button. And, and say, went, look. Around, went around and showed it to everybody. I was like, look, this Gorgeous. is it without, this is it without, like it is, it is actually this easy. Like. And then it just kind of went away, you know, it was, That's... I was able to have the green screens there and <laughs> Oh my, yeah. It's, so sometimes it's... it's a little bit of a battle um, to kind of, you know, do what you think is best and, you know, you might have to fight for something. So that, that can be challenging to, to get those fights.
but you know it's all it's all for the benefit of the movie you know it's all in it's all in it's all in the the best for the for the art well you know what again kudos to you because you read the situation and you say listen the only way this is going to really work and i'm going to get people to to pay attention is just show them yeah just do it and just show them and just saying literally look i've done this before i know it look and instead of just trying to persuade them and convince them you just you know seeing is believing right and yeah it's true <laughs> seeing is believing. So, <laughs> that's but a- um yeah but i mean that's definitely one of the cases where it really helped to have that background in yeah. you know doing the shot from start to finish myself it's just hey i'm gonna open up my laptop we're gonna do it right here yeah and i problem, you know problem like, solved there you go yeah. problem it, solved. yeah for problem solving and and that's definitely a tool that i don't always have enough time to do on set Mm -hmm. Um, but if I do have time to do something like that on set, um, do some quick comps or, you know, show the director what, what could be kind of thing and, um, just give them that more of a visual tool. It's definitely been helpful. Yeah. You know, that's definitely something that's helped on set. Right. Excellent. Wow. That's, that's really good. I, I think that's great. I think that was kind of a nice way to, to put challenges because it is, everything's a challenge and it's just, uh, how you react to them and and obviously move forward after the challenge. Right. So, okay. Oh my, here we go again. We've got to do another break. Uh, This will be our our break. And then uh, Karen, when we come back, we're going to talk about where you think the industry is going post COVID-19. Anyway, we'll be back everyone. We're talking to Karen Heston. Uh, We'll be back after this break. Hi, everybody. We're back again with Karen Heston, visual effects supervisor. Karen, thank you for sticking with us again. Sure and thing. We are kind of on our, our last part of the podcast here where we like to talk to people about um, where, you know, professionals like yourself, where is the industry going? I know things were on a really technical fast track pre-COVID. Where do you think the industry is going? How is it going to change? And yeah. I mean, I, uh, well, one of the things that, you know, I've kind of been talking to my, you know, my friends in the community and, um, my agent as well, Jason Garber, who's a great agent. Um, I've been trying to get a sense of what's going on, you know, from the community and reading some articles that they have online about kind of more about not necessarily when it's coming back, but that question of like, you know, what will it take for you to get started again was, yeah. was posed to one of my friends who's a prop master. Okay. Um, and, you know, that's a pretty difficult job during this time where everybody touches everything. You're oh, the prop master. Right. Yes. So, like, what will it take to get him back to work on, you know, a show? And, like, what will it take to, you know, so I think that there's going to be a lot of 
new new systems in place you know is it that everybody's scanned on set for temperatures you know daily before they arrive to set like when they arrive to set they get scanned and see if they have a fever or not you know or if you're not feeling great you know you get a real pass it's not you know it's none of this like what they're not showing up for work i mean Mm -hmm. not showing up for work is like I mean, it's kind of unheard of. I mean, you really just have to show up to set. Every well, you got a so shoot. Think, you got a shooting schedule. You know. Yeah. It, so I think that there, <laughs> you know, there's got to be some kind of pass for. Yeah. You know, oh my gosh, our this person's down, and uh, you know they're down for X amount of weeks, and we, you know, we had them hired for this role, and they were going to do that role, and now, now what do you do? And you have to be more relaxed about it you know you can't just be punishing people if they can't show up for work because they're sick these days so I think that that's I think there's a lot of interesting things that'll happen where you know it might make it uh might make it a people probably be a little more paranoid or a little more you know uneasy about stuff on set but I think that maybe some of those things that will come out it'll be better you know just kind of trying to create healthy practices and you know good health care on set and I mean, nowadays, yeah. so somebody gets sick on set, everybody gets sick. You know? <laughs> yes. Well, in the I day, mean, it everybody... Goes, it goes around. It, yeah, you know, I mean, it's, it's like you share a cold. Around. Yeah, it's it's not like sharing the cold now. It's, you know, yeah. it's it's a it's a whole different ballgame. Mm-hmm. But I, just hearing you, you you kind of explain that, that's kind of an interesting take, too, because I'm just looking at it from, uh, you know, from a vendor uh, perspective you know, understanding mm-hmm. like maybe someone like yourself as a supervisor slash producer, you know, obviously a lot of times it's, you, you work with people, you, you know, that you can work with well, um, and you keep that kind of relationship base going. But, you know, I'm just thinking of it. It just popped into my head. It might be, you know, getting more vendors in play for, for putting proposals in. So in case one vendor all of a sudden can't be there, you know, do you, mm-hmm. do, do you have a backup vendor who understands what the, what the needs are and, you know, or yeah. even, even people, I mean, how does, how would that work? And is, is, uh, I mean, cause it is, it's a, I'm looking, how is it going to affect us? You know, or, you know, Cedar Leafy effects, how do we, how do we react to, to things like that and be more helpful and be more, you know, open yeah. to see how things are going to be going. Um, so yeah, I, 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 I didn't even think about that of, of, of like the, even the prop department, the art department, mm-hmm. ev- everything. It's just really, really interesting. Yeah. I think it'll be, you know, trying to bring a lot less people on set. So, you know, <clears throat> the most, you know, the kind of critical roles and, you know, how much support do you need? And yeah, I mean, that brings up a good point for, for, um, for Cedar Leaf VFX, just having more people on deck. If you have, you know, X amount more people trained, that you yeah. can send in case somebody's sick or shows up with a fever on set, you know, and can't work that day, but they still need something scanned. Do you have somebody else you can send or? Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. You, know, you said that, you know, it's definitely talked about a lot, but virtual production, that's definitely helpful. I mean, if there's a way to kind of be, be scouting from your home, be, you know, <laughs> yeah. be, wor- you know, be working remotely and kind of, um, having a lot more, 
you know, virtual, virtual things done, um, real-time real rendering as far as, you know, the technology yeah. as well in our, in our industry in particular, our department. I think that it's going to really push things. It's really going to push the technology now to, to kind of lead, you know, the technology is going to be pushed. There's going to be reason for it. So there's, you know, nothing's really changed unless there's a reason for it, just exactly. like learning a language. Yeah. Um, unless you yeah. need it, you know, you don't learn it. So that, that'll be, that'll be, I mean, it's kind of a little too optimistic, but I'm an optimistic person or glasses half full well, kind of person, but it's like, it's an exciting time in a way to see what kind of new systems and what new technology emerges to solve this problem. This is a big problem. You know, I love, I love problem solving. There you go. I was just going to say that this, this is, is a, this is right up your alley here, Karen. This is, we just need to throw you at this. I know. Yeah. Give it to Karen and uh, she'll, she'll yeah. sort it out in a week. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. So I, I just, I feel so much for the people on the front lines of the situation. But um, no, I think it's, you know, it'll be interesting to see and what shows come back online first. And, yeah. you know, later I was, I kind of thought that maybe the bigger shows would come back first and then. I was hearing some buzz that no, actually, maybe that some of the smaller shows or, you know, shows that they know they can put straight to, you know, the streaming services or whatever, were yeah. some of the first ones to come back line. And I was like, oh, I didn't even think about that. I just figured, you know, everybody be missing out on the big blockbusters. But um, yeah, maybe it's more about, you know, opening up the, the shows that just have the, more, have the most reach at this point. That That's a, yeah. Try and come back online first. So. Well, because people are going to need their content to binge. It's just going to be Definitely. This, yeah. this big glut. And then we're going to have to go back to all the old shows that we, you know, watched a while ago and binge them all over, all over again. Yeah. <laughs> we're gonna, well, I'm just curious too, to see, again, I don't know this. I don't know if you might have some insight, but I mean, there's only certain, there's only a certain amount or a few people who are actually have the facilities to do big virtual production capabilities i know right there's at disney and i guess ilm might have something um mm -hmm. but it's just interesting to see how you know what are the other other studios who don't have these type of facilities in place but i know they're probably scrambling yeah. now to get that done but well i i was really impressed um i got an email from scanline um visual effects very early on that they you know, they're like, we're 100% remote, all of our facilities all over the world, oh, wow. everybody's working remotely. And it came very early on. And um, it was just, it's just a testament to, um, you know, some of these companies that were able to co go remotely quickly. You know, I mean, they have the technology to do it. And they're already reaching from, you know, various countries to each other and yeah. various you know, different territories to each other. So now just taking it one step further and have it reach out to everybody's home. It's just, it's been cool to see, you know, to see that happen and, you know, trying to, trying to catch up. I just had a, I just had a nice little Zoom chat with um, Jasmine <laughs> Hassel, who's the, um, who's at Scanline and just kind of reaching out to her in Germany and finding the time to catch up with people. Um, yeah, yeah, that's true. I mean, it's kind of, it's like, oh, you're working. She's like, yep, I'm working every day, busy bee. And it's just, you know, some, for some people, it's like, you know, they're still, still working away. And, um, you know, it's good to see that, that, you know, some people are, you know, some of the industries and vendors are surviving. 
um, yeah. at least the initial wave, right? Yeah, the now. initial wave, I guess the ones that are kind of, that were just getting into post or, you know, halfway into post or something, but. It's a lot of the stuff that's already in the pipeline. Yeah. You know, that they've been um, developing yeah. and, and shots that they've been working on. Um, right. You know, right. stuff like that. So it's a, it's a lot of stuff that, um, that well, you know, I was, I was working on a show too. Like I mentioned to you earlier about working virtually mm -hmm. um, in, in January and, um, and that that show was was still kind of up and running towards you know I think still working this week right now. So there you know there's a lot of shows that are in the can mm -hmm. um, that they're able to still edit. You know they're still editing for final. So there's shows that are editing that are about to be you know released. And then there's you know so there's visual effects and all those all those shows still. Yeah. So. Interesting. Yeah. Well, it, it will be, there's a lot of smart people out there. I will be surprised. I think it's going to be, you know, a little bit of a bump, but I think it's, it's going to get hit its stride pretty quick. Um, yeah. Yeah. So it's, uh, it, it, it is interesting times for sure. Okay. So Karen, um, kind of as we we're getting ready to go, it's, um, it's been great talking with you so far. Um, I just, we yeah. really like to end just with, um, kind of the purpose of the, the podcast is obviously to kind of bring more awareness to what people are doing in the industry and just kind of selfishly for me, because I, I just want to learn what, what, how the industry works, but knowing that there are a lot of variables out there and it's, it's kind of scary just to see, <laughs> you know, where's when the dust settles, what's going to happen. Any, right. any words of, of wisdom or advice or encouragement you can share with us? Uh, as yeah. we, we wrap up here. I mean, I think, you know, a big thing is, you know, stay positive. You know, I think that the, that you just have to kind of, you know, always, always take the initiative and stay positive right now doing on any online learning or online articles to kind of brush up your skills and just, you know, kind of use this, uh, you know, the great pause, uh, as a way to kind of reset and maybe maybe find a new passion you know yeah. find a new find a new goal or you know go out and email somebody like how, what do you know how do you do your job i'm interested in learning and you know just take that initiative and and stay positive and and really that goes a long way in this industry is your personality being kind and you know being positive and and just kind of you know rising to the occasion one of the things I, I joked about on one of my last jobs was, you know, if there's not a chair, if there's not a chair at the table, bring your own. You know, I, <laughs> That's great. I just kind of felt, I felt like, you know, constantly there'd be a meeting going on and they, they hadn't, you know, they hadn't brought in the visual effects supervisor, but they're having a meeting about how they're going to shoot something uh, <laughs> that's full of visual effects. And you're just like, you know, I can't take it personally. You can't, you know, bring it down. I'm like, is it because I'm a woman or not? You know, it's like, no, you just go in there. Hey guys, hey, yeah. you're talking about something. I heard, I overheard you're talking about this. Like, yeah. bring, I'm bringing my chair. I'm bringing my chair to the <laughs> table here. You know, like what's, what's going on? Let's, let's make this happen. Yeah. Hey man, I'm, I'm walking on the set. I'm walking on the yeah, set. Yeah, exactly. Watch out. I'm coming. Look out. Like, I'm com coming on set. Well, <laughs> There, there is one thing too that I, I just kind of want to uh, not go without saying again. I, you said something that was really, and it kind of it struck a chord with me too because I think a lot of people today are are very sensitive about anything. And then you said, um, you know, to to, cr to critique things, but also 
take criticism. And yeah. I think, you know, that is, I mean, obviously it's easier to take con constructive criticism with somebody who's sensitive and, you know, who has a, a kind of a mentor type of attitude, but mm -hmm. you know, some people, some people can just, there's no filter yeah. uh, and they can just come at you, just sh you shoot something across, across your bow and like, whoa. So I think that's, a, a, you know, for me, I, I think that was some good words of wisdom um, to, to kind of share as well. Just, hey, you know, it's, it's not a perfect world out there. And, you know, it, you can learn a lot by, by just, you know, taking it on the chin a couple of times and, and understand that's, take it as a learning moment. Uh, so. Yeah, no, most definitely. Yeah. And you never know what, you know, that person's day is or what they've got going on. And, you know, so you just, you try and give a pass wherever you can and, and always listen to everyone too. You know, everybody's yep. got, everybody's got something to say and, and, you know, there's, you know, it's never, it's, you know, there's some suggest, you know, there's good suggestions out there and you don't get to know them or learn about them unless you hear them. So. Right. Right. Well, I, I there's someone said something to me too that you know there's there there are there are no problems there's only situations you know so mm -hmm. you know it's yes. just how you look at it like you say that not That's a challenge not. there's not good and bad it's just what are challenges and I mm -hmm. like that so awesome well Karen thank you so much for taking the time I know um, your little guy is probably wondering where mommy is <laughs> we way too long. <laughs> so, but, That's awesome. but um everybody uh we're talking to karen heston um karen we'll also give the opportunity to put uh, anything you'd like on the show notes uh any links to contact karen or uh, to see some of her work and um karen hopefully we can get started up again um what we were talking about earlier this year and um, yeah, definitely. There, and hope to run into you either in New York or, or LA or, or wherever our paths may cross. But um, yeah, definitely. No, I, I'm a big fan of the cedar leaf, the effects, and I'll, I'll always keep you in mind when, when going on a project. All right, Karen. Thank you. Appreciate that. And uh, everybody, uh, Karen Heston and Karen, we'll talk to you soon. Have a wonderful weekend. Okay, great. Thanks so much. Take care.